0: Hello, and welcome to Hoosier Health, a podcast brought to you by IU Health East Central Region. Join us as we discuss current, pressing health topics that impact the lives of thousands of Hoosiers every day with the experts at IU Health Law Memorial, Blackford, and J. Hospitals.
1: Hello, this is Alexis Neal, and I serve as the cardiovascular service line leader. And I have Carrie Choate here today from the Heart and Lung Center. Welcome, Carrie. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Thanks, Alexis. Um, as as she said, my name is Carrie Choate, and I am a nurse practitioner here in our Heart and Lung Center. Um, I've been here at Ball a little over ten years. Um, I started here um, while I was in nursing school as a student nurse, and um, then as an RN, worked primarily in the cardiac intensive care, and then I transitioned to the outpatient world um, in 2018 and joined the Heart and Lung Center.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. So we can tell you're going to be an expert, and we have some really good uh, information here to share. So let's start with what is the IU Health Ball Heart and Lung Center, and what are the types of patients and conditions that you treat there?
0: So the Heart and Lung Center is one of our outpatient clinics that assists with management of our heart failure and COPD populations in the East Central Region. Um, we're currently staffed by two nurse practitioners and um, we have community paramedics as well that are able to make home visits for our patients. So, And we're led by our medical directors, Dr. Gray and Dr. Cauley. So we know that heart failure and COPD can often coexist in patients and may be challenging for those patients to manage independently. So, Patients with these conditions, unfortunately, are very high risk for hospitalization or even being readmitted to the hospital if they've been in recently. The symptoms of heart failure and COPD can often overlap and one of the most common struggles for those patients is shortness of breath. So, Being short of breath can make it difficult for them to manage even their usual daily activities like bathing or getting dressed or cooking a meal. So let alone managing often complex medication regimens or dietary restrictions. So one of the main things we want to help with is teaching those patients how they can, or more about their illness and how they can best manage it. So during our outpatient visits, we often cover topics like self-care or the medications that they're prescribed to take, why they should take them, how they should take them, rehabilitation, um, or how they can um, improve their diet. So we hope through reinforcement of their treat re- treatment recommendations that it will help those patients learn how to better manage their illness. And especially um, to recognize signs that they may be getting worse and need to call for help. So. Okay. If a patient has concerns about how they're feeling or notices that they're getting worse, they can call um, the clinic and be evaluated usually on that same day by one of our nurse practitioners or community paramedics. So that way, then we can try to figure out what's, what's causing them to feel bad and um, formulate a plan to get them feeling better. So right. often through that process, we can avoid the need for them to be in the hospital or, or they require hospitalization less often, so. okay.
1: So one of the primary diagnoses I hear you mention is heart failure. So tell us a little bit more about what is heart failure.
0: So heart failure is a condition that affects the heart's ability to either pump or fill with blood. Um, It's very common and it's estimated that around 6.2 million adults in the U.S. have heart failure. And it's also one of the leading causes of hospitalization for elderly patients. It's usually due to a disease or condition that progressively can damage the structure or muscles of the heart. So a few examples of things that could lead to heart failure would be, um, for example, coronary artery disease, which is a narrowing of the blood vessels that supply blood to the heart, or high blood pressure, or diabetes. Um, There's other high-risk activities or Um, conditions that could increase someone's risk for developing heart failure like smoking or excessive alcohol intake or an unhealthy diet or obesity so receiving a diagnosis that includes the word failure um, can be very worrisome for some people so I always like to explain that it doesn't actually mean that your heart (laughs) has failed or stopped beating Um, it, it what it really means is that the heart's weakened it isn't working as well as it should So the heart is the muscle or the organ in our body that's responsible for pumping out blood to the rest of the organs, to provide them with oxygen and nutrients that they need to function properly. Um, It's it's composed of four chambers. There's two on the top that are called the atrium, or the atria, and the two bottom chambers, which are called the ventricles. So we we also often um, refer to the left or right side of the heart. Um, the right side of the heart gets the oxygen poor blood back from the body that's been used by the organs um, so that blood comes comes in through the right atrium down to the right ventricle and gets pumped into the lungs where it uh, picks up oxygen and gets rid of carbon dioxide then the left side of the heart receives that oxygen rich blood back from the lungs um, into the left atrium and then the left ventricle which pumps it through your arteries to the rest of your body. So a normal heart will repeat this cycle usually 60 to 100 times a minute. And each time that it beats, more than half of the blood contents from the left ventricle, which is that main pumping chamber, um, to the other organs. So with heart failure, there's an inefficiency or a lag somewhere in that system, and the heart can't keep up with the demand or workload which eventually leads to congestion in the body's vascular system, kind of like a traffic jam. So heart failure is kind of a broad spectrum, um, term for, um, various types of heart failure. There's two main types. Um, there's systolic heart failure, which um, is otherwise known as heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, which we often abbreviate to HFrEF. ref which is more the heart's inability to push out an adequate amount of blood. Then there's so in half ref, um, the heart will pump out less than 40% of the blood each time that it beats rather than that 50% or greater. The other type of, or the other main type of heart failure is diastolic heart failure or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, which we often shorten to half Um and HEF the heart has a harder time filling with an adequate amount of blood. So this could be because the muscle, the heart muscle is stiffened or doesn't relax as well as it should. So some patients may have just one type of heart failure or they could even have a combination of both. So regardless, both types of heart failure can result in a backup of fluid and the organs may not get as much blood as they, they need. So this can lead to those common symptoms that we often hear heart failure patients um, complain of which are swelling trouble breathing or fatigue so um, one of the first things we'll ask heart failure patients to do is some lifestyle changes to decrease the risk of it getting worse so that would include like exercising or rehabilitation quitting smoking if they are a smoker and managing stress because we know those can exacerbate their illness Um, one of the most important, but also challenging aspects of living with heart failure can be the low sodium diet. So we know that sodium, which is the um, technical term for salt in in the body, binds to water causing retention and often swelling. So we ask that heart failure patients limit their salt intake to less than 2000 milligrams a day. So that may sound like a lot, but it's actually less than a teaspoon of table salt. So the average American diet consists usually consists of much more than that, um, which often come from prepackaged or processed foods or um, even canned items. So adhering to a low-sodium diet often means preparing <clears throat> meals with fresh ingredients um, and avoiding some of those things. Um, we also want to teach patients to how to read a nutrition label so they know exactly how much sodium is in what they may be eating. So Medications are another aspect of treatment for heart failure, Um, usually heart failure um, patients will be taking at least three medicines and often more um, if they have other coexisting conditions like diabetes or heart failure, or sorry, high blood pressure. So those medicines help um, optimize their blood pressure, heart rates, and keep that excess water off. So one of the more common medicines we think of regarding heart failure are water pills. So those help the kidneys get rid of extra fluid through the urine and help reduce swelling. And then lastly, there's different devices that have been developed to help treat heart failure. Um, So there are certain types of pacemakers we can use, defibrillators, um, and our clinic utilizes a device called Cardiomims to help patients better manage their symptoms and medicines.
1: So Carrie, tell us a little bit more about the Cardiomims device and what are the advantages of that? So the CardioMEMS is a device that helps remotely
0: monitor heart failure patients through daily pressure readings. So it's a small sensor that's about the size of a dime and it has two thin loops at each end. And the sensor is implanted into the pulmonary artery, which is the blood vessel that moves blood from the heart to the lungs. So the sensor, after it's implanted, wire, it pairs wirelessly with a unit um, that patients use to take and send daily measurements from the comfort of their own home. The system is fairly low maintenance um, because after it's implanted, there's no batteries or anything that needs to be replaced. Um, And also after it's inserted, the patient wouldn't feel the device and it's not visible at all from outside of the body. So the advantage of CardioMEMS is it's a more proactive way to detect and treat worsening heart failure studies have actually shown that this device can drastically reduce hospitalizations for heart failure patients and even lower mortality
1: rates so how does it help you as the nurse practitioner treat heart failure how does the device work So, we find that Cardio has been a very
0: effective tool in managing some of our patients in the heart and lung center. Like I mentioned earlier, most of the common symptoms of worsening heart failure come from episodes of fluid overload, caused by the heart's inability to keep up with the demand or a lag in the system. The majority of time with heart failure, we rely on the patients to weigh themselves every day to monitor for rapid weight gain. Which is one often one of the first indicators that 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 person's heart failure is getting worse so we teach patients the golden rule of heart failure which is if you if you're weighing every day and you've gained more than two pounds over a 24-hour period of time or if you've gained more than four pounds in a week then we would want you to call us so while we believe this daily weight monitoring can be useful in some patients in some instances it can unfortunately be a late or unreliable warning sign of um, fluid overload or congestions so by the time we find that the patient's gaining weight because of heart failure we're trying to play catch up to get the extra water off and get them feeling better we also know that body weight can be affected by a lot of different variables so It can be difficult to tell if weight gain is truly from heart failure or if it's maybe just extra body mass or body fat. So the Cardio allows us to closely watch and manage a patient's volume status and treat those heart failure symptoms in a more proactive way, which is what leads to the decreased risk of hospitalization and often even an improved quality of life. So we can use Cardio to guide their medicines based on those accurate internal readings which are happening in real time. Um, I also think it can provide patients with a heightened awareness of some of the factors that are affecting their health and gives them back some sense of control. So we ask that patients with the Cardiomems to, or that are implanted with the Cardiomems, to send a, a reading from their home unit every day if possible. Um, usually the process is very simple and only would take a few minutes of their day. So the patient would lie down on their home unit, which uh, is about the size of a queen size pillow. Um, and that's what we'll often call it with patients is their their pillow. So the device will guide them through how to send the reading after they press a button on a a remote. So then the reading transmits from that unit to a secure website that we monitor regularly. Um, If a patient's reading is out of their normal range, then we can call the patient and try to figure out why they're increasing and recommend medication adjustments. And then the other benefit is once we make those adjustments, we can monitor over the next few days to make sure that it's actually working. So um, another advantage is that the home unit or pillow um, can be taken if a patient's traveling and they can send a reading from it really anywhere in the United States, United States. Um, And then we can tell communicate with them through the phone for treatment recommendations.
1: So, since this is a the Cardiomems is an internal device, what is the procedure that you have to do to get a Cardiomems device? So, Cardiomems <clears throat> is currently indicated for pe- for patients with
0: class three heart failure who have been hospitalized with worsening heart failure over the past year. So, if the patient's determined to be su- a suitable candidate <clears throat> for the implant, they'll be scheduled for a, a procedure called a right heart catheterization. So this procedure would be similar to a left heart catheterization that patients get, for example, if they have a heart attack. Um, So they'd be scheduled for the right heart catheterization with one of our trained cardiologists. Um, The sensors placed through that procedure and um, during the procedure, they would pair the sensor with their home unit. And then the patient would be trained on how to to obtain the readings before they go home then after that, um, like I mentioned earlier, then they would just from then on out send those daily pressure readings for our heart and lung center staff to monitor.
1: Okay. So what's typically the recovery time, uh, after getting this type of a device?
0: Usually the procedure is done on a same day basis um, or in some instances they may be observed just overnight. Um, the patient should be able to return to their usual activity within 24 hours of the procedure. The cardiomems would not really inhibit their lifestyle at all and it may even enhance it.
1: So what else, Carrie, would you like uh, people to know about cardiomems, and or if they have questions about the heart and lung center heart failure and COPD.
0: So if you have heart failure and you're interested um, in the CardioMEMS or would like to get more information on it, um, you could talk to your primary care doctor or cardiologist about steps to getting the procedure. Um, or if you just have any questions about heart failure, COPD, or the Heart and Lung Center, you're more than welcome to contact our clinic. Um, our phone number is 765-213-5600. Okay.
1: Thank you, Carrie. This has been very informative and appreciate your time. Thank you, Alexis.
0: Join us next time on Who's Your
1: Health?